DJ and PK, brought to you in part by Mark Miller's Subaru. Mark Miller Subaru bringing you DJ and PK this morning. BYU getting ready to play Houston tomorrow night. The question of the morning, what's your level of confidence? How much do you believe in BYU's ability to get this win and what PK is labeling the most, what is it? The most pivotal game. Is that different than the biggest game? The most pivotal. Yes. Because it creates three weeks of hype for the Boise State game. The most, uh, what did you say, the most important game or, or biggest? I think yeah, yeah. The biggest game is yet to come, but this is a pivotal game because it determines your season. Is your season going to be where it just builds momentum each week, or is your season going to go, okay, you're a decent team, but you're not really that good because you had your one shot and you, and you tripped over yourself, particularly as it came upon the heels of a less than stellar effort against uh, San Antonio. So you have those things going together. So they sort of piggyback each other. Whereas if you go down to Houston and win this ball game, even if you win by one, doesn't really matter what happened last week. If you win by 15, 20, well, then you just write off last week. Yeah, that was they were, they were a little flat on that game. Things happen during the course of a season. No big deal, right? So you can easily rationalize that. So this is... This is the most pivotal game because people are waiting. Because we already know about, as we've already brought up, the South Floridas and Toledos and blah, blah, blah. And, and so that's still, because it's just as recent as last year, it's still to a degree fresh in our memory. Well, you need to set a course. Which way are you going to go? So this is the most pivotal game. No one with a sane mind can argue with me that this is the most pivotal game of the season. Because it determines which way your season will go. I defy anyone, anyone, to to argue successfully. You can argue, but you'll be wrong. But I'll, I'll give you the, an opportunity if you uh, want to. Now who's condescending? <laughs> I'm not con- when you speak facts, that becomes uh, condescending. What do you have? You're, you're a labeler. Pat I'm a man 40. of free speech. <laughs> Pat Forty was lecturing people. <laughs> now what are you doing? <laughs> Speaking facts. This is not a lecture. This is a fact. Oh man, that's what I'm saying. I, but I'm, but I'm offering you the opportunity to argue with me. Those people don't want to oh, have and be arguments. wrong. <laughs> and be wrong. But I'm giving you the opportunity. Yes, that's what this country was founded on—the opportunity to fail. And I'm giving you the opportunity to fail. What more do you want? Would you rather not have the opportunity? <laughs> of course not. You want the opportunity. I'm giving you the opportunity to fail. This is the most pivotal game. It, it'll set the direction of the season. Go ahead. Futilely argue if you want. I'm allowing you this opportunity to make a fool of yourself. You should be thanking me. It sets the direction for the next three weeks. I believe that. It'll set the tone and it'll drive how how much, how little, how much uh, hype the BYU-Boise State game receives. And not just with us. We're clowns. The national folk, they matter. I've never met it on any scale. I've barely accomplished anything in my life. I realize that. But the folks that matter, yeah, they'll hype it up. I mean, are you going to hype up? What are you gonna do In the Pac-12, the only thing you can hype up would be ASU and SC. That's it. One game, first week, because that's the first week of the season, right? Right. And that, that actually comes a day after that uh, because they're going to they, play Boise and BYU on Friday night, right? So it's November 6th. 
So that's it. That's it. That's it. You would just hype one game in the conference. You're going to hype Utah and Arizona? No. I mean, you'll talk about it, but you're not going to hype it. So that game that week, if they set the tone and determine the course of the season, is tomorrow night. This is the, the I don't see how you can argue. Well, I don't know that it determines the course of the season because I think the Boise State game will then determine the course of the season. Like, this is the biggest game That's to not true. date. And it will be That's the, not true. And if they win, it'll be the biggest game until Boise State, and that'll you, be bigger. You've already said Boise had a great season last year. They did. With a loss to BYU. They did. So BYU can still have a great season with a loss to Boise. But you cannot have a great season with a loss to Houston. Even if you beat yeah, Boise in this in this weird year, nine and one with a loss to Boise State, I don't know that people see that as a great BYU season. Some will, but it'll be heavily debated depending on what Houston and San you Diego State. You said Boise do. had a great season last year, and they lost to BYU. They, it's the same thing. They went they went twelve and one. Well, twelve and two with a bowl game. Twelve and one. That was the only that loss to BYU kept them out of a New Year's Six bowl. They're the Mountain West Conference champs, and BYU can't be a conference champion. That, but that's I think if you win a system. conference championship. But if you win a conference championship, you had a great year. That, 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 that's the storyline. So will then be BYU different. will never have a great year. The storyline will be no. If they go 10 0, they'll have a great year. I said earlier in the show when you can use the word undefeated with your season, it always sprinkles exactly. a little of the magic dust. I know, no argument here. Right. But you can also say you have a great season with one loss. You can, but it's yes, not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. And given the quality of some of the teams on BYU's schedule, now it could be a great season at nine and one for BYU. What quality of the season schedule did Boise have last year? Oh, are you kidding me? They won a conference. You, you win a conference championship. It's a good year. It's a good. I year. agree. Yeah, I'm totally agreeing with you. But yes. the problem for BYU at nine and one, it could be if Houston and San Diego State have really good seasons. Then BYU's nine and one could be looked at in a great light, but it'll wow. be dependent on what how standard. good Houston and San Diego State are. So, of, of course, and Boise went undefeated in their conference last year. That's a great season. They lost by what was the one score? Right? What was the score? Was it was oh. it less than? Was it five points? What was the score? BYU. It Boise was it was tied because at the end, yeah, they made a, yeah, uh, yeah so, something like that. I'll yeah. get you the exact numbers. Yeah. I'm acknowledging Boise had a great season last year. You roll out a, a twenty-eight to twenty-five. Was yeah, the I knew it was a. Fun, oh, yeah. I knew there was a funky non-football yeah, right, number. Right. Boise I, I, had I, come back towards the end of the game. Yeah, they did, and so that was. They, they, and if BYU goes to Boise and loses twenty-eight to twenty-five and wins every other game on their schedule, that's not a great season. You gotta be kidding me! Wow, what kind of standard? I'd hate to be your kid. <laughs> you got straight A's, but you got a 97%. Get out of my face. No soup for you. <laughs> Jeez. Give me back that apple pie. They can have a great season going up to Boise where they've never won. And a few years back, San Diego won up there, and you called it mind-boggling. It was. Because nobody wins in Boise. They don't. Your own words, you called it mind-boggling because I made fun of you, which I, I get it. But it's about everything you say, I make fun of you. That's part of the deal. You called it mind So in a place where if somebody wins, it's literally mind-boggling. And if BYU shouldn't win there but wins the rest of their games, goes 9-1, and one, 
that's not a great season? Oh, moron. Quality of the schedule, PK. At 9-1, and one, we'll have to see how good Houston and San Diego State are. Tom Homo's own words. I can schedule you 10 wins if that's what you want. So if Houston and San Diego State are down, if, if Houston's about to roll out another 4-8, and BYU is not going to get any credit for that win. If Rocky Long were still at San Diego State, I think we'd all have a lot more confidence in how good that win would be. Because you look at Rocky's record, and it's pretty rock solid. But It's Rocky solid. Exactly. But Brady Hoke coming in? Question marks. Maybe they're going to be really good. Maybe they're not. Nobody knows. You have to divorce yourself. You're a fan, and you like to cushion blow. So you're setting yourself up. No, for they may be really good. They may be they really good. They don't need to be really good. I think BYU needs to have a marquee win to say that nine and one was a special season. If you're undefeated, I think it stands on its own. If you're the conference champion, it stands so, on its own. So if you're undefeated, but everybody you beat sucks, it's awesome. But if you lose one game to Boise by just hypothetically two or three points, then all those other wins. They don't matter. But if you beat 10 teams who suck, you had a great season. That don't make no sense. Do you think that at 9-1, and one, if uh, San Diego State is 500-ish and Houston hangs another 4-8 and eight on the wall over there, BYU will hear, yeah, you were 9-1, and one, but you didn't play. You didn't beat anybody. They hear you that every freaking anybody. year. They're say, BYU. There's a certain year that they <laughs> refer back to that people like to deride them about beating nobody dirty. They hear that every year. But when you get to say undefeated... I'm just like, saying. You can say whatever matter? you want. When, he, when you say undefeated, that's just uh, the rain falling off the turtle shell. It's so you lose matter. to sure. Boise, and Boise goes undefeated, but you had a dog oh, season. Okay, so that's a good scenario there. If, you, if Boise goes undefeated, and BYU is 9-1, and one, and BYU loses a one-point game to Boise State. A one score. Which isn't out of the realm since three of the five games, their own five And it's there. mind-boggling to and win three. there by your own acknowledgement. Especially when it's San Diego State, because I'm a fan. <laughs> I divorced myself. But yes. Mind-boggling. You remember I, that Yock when he said I that? I stepped in front of the I TV in that game it. and like, oh boy, San Diego State of Boise State. You Here we go. so tingly for oh, all I was. Do you know what the state record was in Idaho? These are the clowns who went up and lost to the Idaho Vandals. It was one and something for a long time. Yeah, it was mind-boggling to win before 23,000 people at Boise. Man, it's unbelievable. And if BYU goes up there and wins, there will be confetti. There will be air horns. As there should be. Because it's mind-boggling if you win there. I agree. Fine, I'm agreeing with you. It is mind-boggling to win there, which is why if they lose and go 9-1, and I'm going to call it a great season because it is mind-boggling to win there. I'm glad you finally agree with me. That took years. I have agreed with you all along. No, you mocked me. I mocked your fandom. You're like a 15-year-old boy. That's what I mocked. It's all We're in I this business. Left. We're old-timers. We don't get involved in winning and losing. Unless they went on the blue turf. <laughs> because you're a fan. And it's, to me, what's mind-boggling, after all these years, you're still caught up in winning and losing. It's the last little <laughs> speck of fandom I have left. And great. You the have rest it. has been beaten out of me. Power to the people. multiple reasons. Or moved away. The rest of us at the at the station, we look at these games, 
and we go, yep, yeah, there's a game. There's a game. Hey, we got a game <laughs> to watch. As far as the result, we enjoy the process, and we enjoy one heck of a job to yeah, wake up to every but day. When, when the game's been over for 90 minutes, eh, you know, we're on to the next one. Yeah, and that's our fandom. Right. Our fandom ends with the results. Our fandom actually is the week leading up to the game and during the game when the result, we just go on to the next one. Literally after a big jazz game, a lot of times I'm up in the radio station. I'll watch the end of it with uh, with Jake and whoever's doing the post game show with him. He had you know a different cast of characters this year, and and literally as the game ends, there are no uh, what what is it? What does Clauke always say? Handshakes and high fives all around after a win. All around, and these guys don't get to ask questions, you know, and they want stuff. And I'll literally ask them, "Hey, you got a question for Quinn tonight? You got anything better than what I got? I'll use your question. What do you got?" It's on to the next thing. And the next thing is, what are you going to ask in the postgame? So I was making fun of your fandom. I believe it it, it is. I would expect to Boise to lose at home. I would expect the Dodgers to put 12 runs on the first inning today. (laughs) That's how mind-boggling it is. (laughs) Mind-boggling. What was mind-boggling in sports? That could be be a, a, a segment. What was mind-boggling in sports in the last 24 hours? And today yes, would be the Dodgers' 11-run first. In the blue turf. I'm just saying, if BYU goes 9-1 and one with a hard – and we'll know the complexion of the game. You know, 42-12 to 12 is a lot different than 25-23. to 23. Right. And 9-1 and one could be a big deal. This could be a uh, – you know, if this is a – well, I don't know how many games Houston's playing this year. I was going to say 10-2. and two. It's like, who's playing 12 games? But it, but if Houston – if this is like an 8-2 and two Houston team and an 8-2 and two San Diego State team, then you okay. could feel really good I about a 9-1 BYU season. I agree with you. But I don't think it necessarily needs to be that because you just look at last week – and look at San Antonio's sideline and look at BYU's sideline. And it was a massive deal to San Antonio. Just like it was Coastal Carolina last night. Louisiana's ranked. Was it a bogus ranking because of the situation in, the, in college football? Probably. But to those young fellows at Coastal Carolina, it was a huge deal to beat a ranked team. And that's why I don't think you're, you're just looking at records and you look at numbers. I look at emotion. I go beyond the numbers. And sometimes I overlook the numbers to my own fault. And football can be an emotional game. And San Diego State at that point let's just say the Cougars are what nine and zero just for the sake of argument Mm -hmm. even if San Diego State is not having a kick butt Rocky Long type of season and you know how much respect we have for Rocky Long and he did a phenomenal job and so there's probably going to be a little bit of a letdown because Hoke has done nothing to prove that he's Rocky Long I understand that but nevertheless it's San Diego State and you're playing at that point if they're nine and oh they're ranked in the top 10, right? It, and yeah. everything for the Cougars would be at stake. And you're underestimating. You're just looking at the right side and the left side and dictating the quality of San Diego State. If it comes to that, San Diego State would be so jacked up. In fact, they would be even, I can argue they'd be more jacked up. I don't know what would their record be at that point. How many I games think, would they play? Three well, and five? Uh, it's, they, it's scheduled to be their eighth game. Okay, eight so all right. assuming that all plays out, we know all those question marks. I think given the schedule the Mountain West gave them, 
I think the odds are, and I got to admit, coming into this, I got a low opinion of Brady Hoke. I didn't like his last, his first two years at San Diego State, the first time around. We've all seen the numbers because Gary Anderson, that we did them all. You know, the second time at a school, your record doesn't tend to be as good. Um, there are exceptions, so it's not a guarantee. I will say that I thought they got a pretty soft schedule. The teams they usually struggle with, Boise State, Air Force, are not on their schedule. So it's built for them to have a pretty good record. And I, they got a new quarterback, and I know what's going to happen with the offense, but I think that Rocky recruited enough athletes, and I can't run by this and break it down. I they don't know them okay. that well. Right, exactly, that's my For point. For the first year, anyway. Right, exactly. Big picture, and I can't break down their defense. Well, so there may be a problem I don't yeah, know about, well, but their defense should be. be pretty good. It's going to be Kalani went 9-5 and for 9-4. and four. With Broncos players, and that could well be, and, and that given was his this best season to date, right. and is with Broncos guys. So, so Hoke, uh, he's only going to get to blame this year. If they're not good enough, it's going to be on him. Yeah. If they're good enough, it's going to be while well, he's doing it with Rocky's guys. Let's see what he does down the line. That's but, just the way it works with new coaches. It, but the mm, fact is, if they go in there and the Cougars are what would they have potentially be, the Aztecs are going to be jacked, irregardless of what their record says. Just like San Antonio was jacked, and we saw it with they were the ones showing all the motion, they were the ones doing all the dancing, and that is not something that is reflective upon a record. At minimum, I think San Diego State is going to be 5-2 and two going into that BYU game. And everything should be dissected uh, based on my homerism. That's fine. But I think if you look at their schedule, you go like, yeah, they probably will be 5-2. and two. And 6-1 and is more likely than 4-3. and three. And an undefeated Cougar team, you know what I say? Welcome, Herbie and Fowler. Ha <laughs> ha, nice. <laughs> All right, now, San Diego State or UNLV, who are you picking? For what? To win the game. In football? Yes. San Diego State. San Diego State at Utah State. Knowing the Aggies with a new quarterback that they're more focused, probably 2021 should be the big year, not well, this year. The insiders are telling us that the Aggies are trying to set up for next year. So okay, 2-0. I'm going Aztecs. San Jose State at home. Of course I'm going Spartans. Hawaii at home. New of coach. Of course I'm going uh, Todd Graham. They, 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 they were explosive. Are you kidding me? They got character. So a 4-0 start, and then they're going to uh, Nevada and Fresno and hosting CSU. Oh, bring them on one yeah! by one. Circle Name the it. victories one by one. Count your many victories, Yock. All right. I like it. Good pull. 9-0 BYU, 7-0 San Diego State. That's oh, but why it, this but is a pivotal game. BYU, they suck. How stupid is that? That's a great season, nine and one. No, they'll need to win at that point to validate. Repent ye now. I'm calling you to repentance. They'll need a big win to validate. That's all I'm saying. And do we know Houston's a big win? And that San Diego State could be it. Yeah, it could. It could. And that's why tomorrow is the most pivotal game. Well, if it's 9-0 BYU, then they've got the big win. Because winning at Boise State is mind-boggling, and it's a big win. They don't lose at home very often. I agree. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Why do I feel like I just went in a big circle for 20 minutes? All right. When we come back, Brian Keel. And then Bowler's coming up at 9 o'clock. And Matt Thomas used to work here in Utah. Now he's in Houston. He's doing the pregame show for the Houston football broadcast. He's going to join us coming up at 930. Stay with us, DJ and PK. Now let's get this party started. (laughs) 
This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Kurt Elan, what are you hearing about a potential bubble-type scenario? Because I think a month ago you said that it was a, a possibility. I think it's much less so now. Nothing is set in stone. But a January start where, I'm trying to think like football or baseball, where the stadiums are empty or mostly empty, I think that's going to vary city to city. And then just kind of move around and play through. But the schedule is going to be probably reduced a little, either in games or just condensed. They're working really hard to reduce travel. At this point, the owners want the revenue. 40% of the league revenue comes from the gate, and they want to get some of that back. They want to get back into arenas. And, and I don't think you're going to see a bubble game. Never say never. I'm done predicting things in 2020. Uh, I think we're going to be back to a more like we saw with baseball and football. Hanson Scotting. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Time to welcome in Brian Keel, the former BYU linebacker. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Brian, good morning. Hey, good morning. How you doing? Good. So we are curious, how good is Houston? We don't even know how to measure this game. We saw them play, and they looked terrible for 20 minutes and awesome for 40, and we're not sure Tulane is any good. So we're left with question marks. Can you answer them? I can't. I didn't, I didn't see their game, and um, I, I saw the score and the box score, and, I, you know, it's exactly like you said. You know, the score looks good, but, um, you know, parts of the game did not look so good, and who knows what Tulane is? Who knows if, if BYU is any good? So I think we'll find out some more tomorrow night. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Who knows how good BYU is when you boil it down? We're not really sure. What we saw on last Saturday was one team that was inspired. It was funny because BYU's got the rep for doing the dancing, and it was San Antonio was doing all the dancing, and BYU on their sideline, it looked like they were going to a funeral. And my thought for you, you've been playing, you've played in so many big games over the years. How much can emotion in a football game make a difference? I think uh, it, more than any other sport, I think um, your, your mentality, your emotion, and uh, you know, those unmeasurable aspects of the game play a role. Um, just because it's such a physical momentum game, and you know, you, you, it's, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, it's a violent, aggressive contact sport, and you have to, you have to be up for that. And you kind of, you know, you want to you know, be psyched and, and all that stuff that makes a difference. And it, it kind of, you know, it, it, it comes across as raw, raw reach sometimes, but it, it does make a difference. And, and you're exactly right. The other team last week had it and we didn't. And I was disappointed in our guys. I, I think we started okay. And then we had a lazy fumble and then we kind of, you know, went into, you know, just a lazy mode for the rest of the game and we eked out an ugly win, but um, we, we didn't have it. And, and, you know, the silver lining is hopefully that's a good wake-up call. You'd like to get a wake-up call with a win and not a loss. So hopefully that was a good wake-up call. We're still getting the win to these guys that, hey, you, you got to show up. Like any, any of these teams are capable of beating you, and Houston absolutely can beat you tomorrow night. So how much, and I guess you have to put yourself back in the player's mindset, not, not the wise old man that you've become, Brian, but think of, you know, <laughs> the, the 21, 22-year-old version of yourself. How much is that a wake-up call? 
How long does it last? How short was your memory? Which can be a good thing, but can also be a bad thing, having that short memory. And how much is it kind of like, okay, we got we got away with one there. We got we to gotta tighten the screws a little bit, and we got to bring it. Well, first of all, I'm only slightly more mature now at 36 than I was at BYU at 22. So I've only improved a little bit. I'm still very immature. But, uh, and at, you know, back then, you are still a kid when you're in college. And you're still figuring things out, and you, you're 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 suspect to to buy into the hype, and you know a lot of people are like you know totally shut that off and don't listen to the media, and, and I I never listened to that advice because I was immature then and I'm immature now, and so I I always listened to the media and always spoke my mind to the media for better or for worse, and so um, you know that's just who I am as a person, and and everybody's different, and I, I'm sure a lot of the kids down there have been believing their own press and, and that affected things. And um, in terms of having, you know, a short memory uh, for me, like I, I, I want to remember every mistake I make so that I don't make it again. And, you know, I, I, when I was there, when I played, I, I always would review film. And, and, and if I, if I, if I made a mistake, you know, I'd watch that play 10 times compared to a play that I did well on. Because I wanted to learn from it, I wanted to, you know. I mean, I remember giving up a touchdown as a sophomore against Utah in 2005, and that was one of the most, you know, it was a close game. We ended up losing it overtime, and um, that was the only touchdown I ever gave up at BYU. And that, you know, that one play motivated me so much in my off season, in my training, in my in my work ethic, and and that's just how I was. And so, you know, you can take so much from from failure and from from poor performance, and you use that and leverage that to improve yourself. So I hope that's what these kids did with what, what was undoubtedly a poor performance last week. How much, though, do you think they're aware of that and they don't, and don't really need to be said to them because they understand that the nature of this game, what they're trying to accomplish this season, and the fact that they let a team hang around last week and didn't give their best inspired effort? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure the coaches all in their own way have addressed it, um, respectively, and um, and and you know some of them probably more forcefully than others. Um, but you know everybody's aware and to, to various levels and understands you know the reality that you know when you're favored by 35 points and you eke out a pretty ugly win at home, um, you know you didn't play well. And so you know they, that, I'm sure they understood that. And who knows how the film session went. Um, you know, if I was a coach, which I'm not, if I was a coach, you know, I would have the same mentality as I did as a player. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't berate my players by any means, but I would just candidly and frankly, you know, show them the film. And be like, Look, you know, this is what happened. This is where you made mistakes. This is where we need to make improvements. And, you know, you need to show up. You need to execute every team, you know, respect every opponent. That's kind of been a theme we've been talking about the last few weeks. Um, you know, you, any of these opponents, that's why sport is so fun because, on any given day, any team, a 35-point underdog, um, you know, can, can come up and bite you in the butt. And, and they were, I mean, shoot, that, that onside kick was a good kick. They were close to getting it, and who knows what happened. I mean, it was a close game, you know, and, and that, it just goes back to they played well, we didn't, we eked out a win. And the, 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 what you do from that is you learn from it and get better and, and, and execute even better against Houston and then, you know, the week after that and the week after that and, and upward mobility. I know talking about the O-line is a little bit of a moving target based on, you know, who can play and who can't play and 
Yeah, MP's supposed to be back, so that, you know, on paper, that looks like a clear win, you know, for BYU and the offensive line. But watching that UTSA game, that was the first time you could really criticize the offensive line. I mean, you never play a perfect game. You can find something. But the O-line was pretty dominant in the first three games, and UTSA was able to get some pressure on Wilson and make him move. And so how much faith do you have in that? How much do you worry about the ability to protect the quarterback? Where's your level of confidence in the O-line? Because if they dominate, then everything gets a lot easier. Yeah, and so that's the thing. You know, the casual fan doesn't understand how much of an impact the offensive line has in football. They're the, always the unsung heroes. When they do their job, nobody hears about them. When they don't, you know, when you, when you get beat for a sack, that's when your name as an offensive lineman gets called on the broadcast. Hardly if you make a great block do you get pointed out for it. They're the unsung heroes. And when they dominate, the team dominates. And, and that, they're probably the biggest, other than Wilson's play, um, which has been phenomenal, um, they're probably the biggest key to our success so far this year. And so, yeah, it's no surprise that when they have a poor game, our team has a less than stellar performance. And it affects, you know, offense affects defense and, and back and forth, you know, ball control and controlling the clock and field position and all those things affect each other. So the offense stalling and drives and not doing as well as they have done also affects our defense and it goes back and forth. And so, you know, it, how good are they? I think they're really good. I think one of, they're one of the best units on our team. I think it's just one of those things where they, their, their, their quality has been inflated due to the level of our opponent, which our whole team has. You know, our team has looked just un, you know, like Superman, and we've played lesser teams. And so you, know, it's, it's, you take it with a grain of salt. I still think they're very good. And you know, you, when they're all healthy and when everybody's in there and they're at full strength, I think they're very good and one of the best parts of our team. So we hear teams like Houston, you know, they may have some undersized guys, but they got this great team speed, and BYU hasn't been historically known for great team speed. How do you combat that? Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's been BYU's, you know, challenge forever. You know, it's rare that we play a team that we're faster than across the board, and it's always been like that. And so um, speed kills, and in the game today, it's even gotten more, um, prevalent that speed it just it just absolutely creates mismatches and stresses on defenses and offenses and so um, but the, the the way that you do it is is a smart football player will outperform a fast dumb football player and I'm not saying anybody's dumb or anybody's smart but historically BYU um, has had smart football players even if we haven't had the most fleet of foot. In our in our players, and so you know, and, and we've had smart players, and sometimes we've you've used that more uh, than other times, and so that's how, that's how you you beat speed is you take proper angles with phenomenal effort, and and you use leverage to your advantage, and and you can combat speed, and so that's you know you 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 maintain the like on defense you maintain uh, you know perimeters you have an edge you have contain you maintain leverage you, you keep people in front of you. These are all just like basic football principles um, that allows you to combat when you're playing teams that are faster than you. And, and that's, you know, we, we, you know, back when I was there, we played TCU, who was way faster than us across the board. And, and that's what we had to do. You know, you had to, you had to really pay attention to those fundamentals of leverage, of angles, contain. And when you do that, you'll, you'll be totally fine. So you played in the NFL, Brian. How many NFL guys do you think are on BYU's roster? Because you get those high-end quality guys, they make the game easier for the guys around them. They often 
force two guys on the other side to account to, for him. You know, a, a wide receiver, the safety's got to shade over. Uh, somebody uh, like yourself, they, they might have two guys blocking. And that makes everybody else's job easier. How many NFL guys do you think are on that roster? There's a handful. there, And which is good to see because num- our NFL numbers have been low for a long time. And, you know, 80s and 90s, we just regularly put guys in the league. And then, you know, the 2000s have not been the same level. And you you look at some of the other schools, you know, TCU, like I just mentioned, Utah, they put guys, Boise, they put guys in the league just like like clockwork. Um, our team right now, we have some guys. Obviously, Kiris Tonga, um, he's probably the highest prospect. Um, could have come out last year. Fantastic football player. Um, I mean, he's a complete NFL guy. Bushman's an NFL guy. I think Wilson's put himself in that conversation now. Um, there, there's, there's a couple other guys who are you know, late draft picks to free agent guys that are, you know, they're, they're popping and flashing right now. And um, it's good to see. I think we probably have as many, if not more, NFL guys on our roster right now than we've had in you know, the last 10 years. What are your thoughts on the rushing three, dropping eight? So I, it's, it's, it's one of those – I have a love-hate relationship with that defense, and um, it has its place. And, you know, it's, it's good until it isn't. <laughs> and, um, you know, there's certain down and distances and circumstances where I think it's great. Um, I do think we use it too much. And that's just my opinion. And that's, you know, it is what it is. It's my opinion. I'm not a coach. I'm not in game film with these guys and breaking down, you know, the opponents and all that stuff. But I think we use it too much. I think it gets predictable to the opponents. Um, I like – you know, and I think we've done a better job this year of mixing it up more and not using it as much as we have the last couple years because, you know, it just it gets predictable, and I think it makes it easier for the offensive coordinator when he knows that the quarterback's going to have time. It just it makes it a lot easier doing his job. It makes the quarterback's job easier. So it has its place, and, you know, you know third and 15, I, I don't think there's a better coverage to play than, than drop eight. Um, but on third and three, I think it's a horrendous coverage, and you're just asking for them to convert on the, the down. And so, anyway, it has its place. I like to see us mix it up. Um, I still, you know, some, you know, we we pressured and gave up a big play, um, and I don't, you know, I don't really think that was a kind of the pressure. It was just really bad technique in the back end. And so, I, you know, you can't be afraid to pressure. You have to, you have to be willing to roll the dice. Because if you're if you're too vanilla, if you're too predictable, it's just too easy of a job for the OC. So is that something you do because the other team has more speed, keep the game in front of you? Is that one of the reasons? Yeah, absolutely. Um, if you're you know if you, you you look at the teams that have just like studs in the back end, like they're not running drop eight, they're running man free all day and just coming after the quarterback because they have guys that can can hold up in coverage. And that's a luxury that not a lot of teams have. You know, you look at some SEC teams like LSU that's able to do that. And Utah's been able to do that for years with the secondary that they've been blessed with. And so they've been able to hold up in man coverage. And not every team can do that. Um, I, think, I think our guys are better than a lot of people give them credit for. They're definitely way more talented and athletic than the secondary I played with. And that's no – this on the guys that I played with, they were really good football players, which is why we had a good team. But these, these kids there now are faster and more athletic. Um, that doesn't mean they're better football players, but they are faster and more athletic. And so that you can do more with that. And, you know, speed, speed makes up for a, a lot of other things. And so if, if you can combine speed with the smarts, like I talked about, 
earlier, the best, you know, the best of both worlds is to have both, to be smart, take angles with phenomenal effort and have speed. But I think we have guys that can do it, not, you know, down in and down out, but I think we can do it. Brian, thanks for a few minutes as always, and we'll uh, check the game Friday night and see how it goes. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Have a good day. There's Brian Keel, former BYU linebacker, joining us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. PK, do you feel smart today? How so? Well, I, I saw something in The Athletic, and I thought, I literally heard those words come out of your mouth. And people yes, will dismiss, they will dismiss the words that come out of your mouth because you're cranky, PK, and they don't want to deal with you. And yet... I'm not cranky. I'm just moody and unpredictable. Oh, my bad. All right. When we come back, I'll tell you what uh, PK was right about, according to The Athletic and the numbers they dug up to back it up. That's next. Stay with us. Bowler's coming up in 15 minutes. Nothing else matters, fellas. Every day we go to work. Football is back, and the Zone Sports Network has you covered as the Cougars continue to bulldoze through their schedule and the Utes and Aggies get set for the start of their season. You gotta go faster, faster. Nobody will bring you better coverage of your team than the Zone Sports Network. This is your home of the best college football coverage in Utah. Turn me up all day. 97.5-1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communications for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. So, PK, we were talking about uh, recruiting classes. We were talking about high school football stars staying in state or leaving out of state. You were talking about how critical it was that the local schools, especially youths competing in the Pac-12, but all the local schools hold on to the high-end kids as much as possible. The difference makers that Brian Keel was just talking about. You know, when you have the NFL kid and all these schools have sent, uh, sent players to the NFL, and when you have that NFL player just using them to kind of represent uh, high-end players, uh, they get double-teamed. A uh, receiver gets double team and it makes it easier for everybody else to get open. It makes it easier for the running game. The, the guy like Brian Keel, if two people are blocking you, everyone else just has to win their one-on-one matchup. So they do a deep dive at the athletic on uh, every school in the Pac-12. What is uh, a reasonable expectation for the class? What have they been doing? And how much better can it get? Or in some cases, how much worse uh, might it get as they go through coaching changes and that kind of stuff? And they dig up these nuggets on, uh, on the University of Utah. Um, so from 2000, in 2017, 18, and 19, those three years combined, there were 12 four-star prospects in Utah. And the Utes signed, everybody pick a number in your head. How many of the 12 do you think the Utes signed? In-state, four-star prospects. And the number is zero. Yeah, suck. 0 for 12. That sucks, man. In 2020, there were four four four-stars. And they got three of them. That's good. In 2021... There are two. Now, nobody signed yet, right? But the two have verbally committed to Oregon. Yeah. And so when you're looking for and, – and three-star guys can turn into NFL players and four-star guys Certainly. can bust. Two-star we get guys that. can. Trevor yes. Riley says he was a two-star. Right. 
So now you're looking at 18 four-star guys who used to need to get their share, and they got three. And they're losing to Oregon in the title game. And people are like, why is Oregon blowing out Utah? Well, I think we know why. (laughs) Talent. Let's start there. Yeah, talent for sure. Yeah, and and Justin Herbert wasn't a big recruit. He's actually a baseball player. Uh, Remember him telling us that on our air. And uh, he's a local kid in Eugene, so he stayed home. And obviously he blew up. So you can blow up. And one of those guys that Utah got – was uh, I think it was this Fillinger kid who was a Texas commit, Correct. but they changed coordinators. So they, I don't want to say they lucked into it, but they were fortunate to uh, to get him because he was bound for Texas, and he looks like he's going to be a player. I've been in the weight room at uh, Corner Canyon, and I've seen they've got all the PRs, as Kyle says, on the wall, and his name is splattered all over the wall, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, no surprise there. And and you know what? It would really be able to put Utah over the top because the, re- the truth is Utah and Kyle is, and, and his guys, two things. There are geniuses at identifying, and they're extremely really good at developing. So now if you bring in a kid who's all that to begin with, well – Look how much better they're going to be because they're already really good at identifying and developing. Those are facts. They've got 30 guys in the NFL today, seven of whom are on the practice squad, I believe, and the other 23 are active players on the on NFL rosters, which I think is third maybe in the Pac-12, maybe fourth. I just saw a list the other day. It was on that uh, Pac-12 uh, Twitter thing that I told you yeah, about. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm following it now. Let me uh, search that and see if I can come up yeah, with it. Yeah, it so I think, I think, I'm not positive, but I think that's where I saw it. And they, they, they had everybody, everybody, I think the Devils only had 13, right? So they got way more than, uh, Utah's way more than them. And uh, so they're really good at doing those two, thi- two things. Now if you give them some studs that, you don't really have to polish. They're sort of already studs. How much better is that going to make that team and that program? I really believe that puts them over the top. DJ and makes PK. Them win the conference. Yeah. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 the zone. Bowler's coming up next. We got some NBA stuff to talk about. And Bowler is a lifelong Chiefs fan, which makes him an interesting topic for NFL talk. And we'll do that next. Stay with us.